0: I know you all, and will a while uphold the unyoked humour of your idleness. Yet herein will I imitate the sun, who doth permit the base contagious clouds to smother up his beauty from the world, that when he please again to be himself, being wanted, He may be more wondered at by breaking through the foul and ugly mist of vapours that did seem to strangle him. If all the year were playing holidays to sport would be as tedious as to work but when they seldom come they wished for come and nothing pleaseth but rare accidents so when this loose behaviour I throw off And pay the debt I never promised. By how much better than my word I am. By so much shall I falsify men's hope, and like bright metal on a sullen ground, my reformation glittering over my fault shall show more goodly and attract more eyes than that which hath no foil to set it off. I'll so offend, to make offence a skill, redeeming time when men think least I will. That was Shakespeare. That was Henry Fourth, part one, by William Shakespeare, that was Prince Hal delivering a soliloquy, a monologue, talking about how his demeanour, living in the shitty part of town, cavorting with dodgy characters, drinking a lot being a bit reckless talking about how all of that will make him shine the brighter when he transforms into his kingly inheritor basically he's talking about how the light shines so much brighter if there has been darkness preceding it And also about how he doesn't... He he was resisting the fixed identity of being a prince. Yeah, and he's also a bit scheming, a bit like calling one thing good and one thing bad, and not treating his drinking buddies with the most respect. And he's also referring to fucking the sun as a very male... I'm oh, sorry, very masculine thing, and uh, he refers to humans as men's. so gotta fix up a little bit there, Prince Hal, right not not endorsing everything you're you're going on about. Um, but I did want to include that quote at the beginning of the podcast because we will come back to it, but also to just you know have a podcast which starts with Shakespeare. I mean. Did you expect that? No, didn't, did you? And it won't happen again. Welcome, Hoshgeldenis. Welcome to the Drawing Core podcast. Nestle sinners how are you all? Are you all very well? I hope so. I'm very well. It's raining a lot here. I am moved to my studio. Um, so that I could uh, include Jasper. Please would uh, you welcome Jasper to the Drawing Core podcast. I think that might be the highlight of this episode. sound, isn't it? Good recording of that beautiful cat. Love that to be our new sound bed for Drawing Core. You noticed I took the birds out, partly hoping that uh, this beautiful cat will fill that animal shaped hole in the Drawing Core sound bed. Well, we've gone back to our classic podcast piano because uh, I considered using the Curie 4 key we used last week and then, uh, and then I considered otherwise No particular reason A bit more relaxed I reckon this week We're going to talk about relaxing That's the crack this week So the end of last podcast I invited you to try and find good ways to relax this week Good ways to turn your brains off and I said that I would try the same which I did and this is us checking in with each other how did it go? Um, I hope that if you tried to do it you found a good way of doing it for yourself (laughs) It's, it's, it's it's a question that I've had for a long time and I know that there have been times when I've been better at it and times when I've been worse at it and being better and worse often seems to rest on a balance balancing uh, work and doing stuff that makes you feel productive or answers to those questions that push in the inside of your head even if they might be in themselves slightly compulsive questions the need to produce is obviously um, very much pressurized by our neoliberal capitalist environment Um, but maybe you need a bit of that you need a bit of production in your life and then you need to balance it with a little bit of Restfulness, a little bit of doing nothing, maybe that's uh, maybe that's the the thing that's going to make you ha- happiest and healthiest to have that balance. And I want to go back to the yin and the yang and the Tao. Um, I didn't expect this to be such a Taoist podcast, but hey. Look at that So we, we, we did talk about um, Having an essential Aspect of ourselves That by being Simple By embracing the simplicity of Taoism We would connect with this essential Aspect of ourselves But We also talked last week about Not being essentialist when we talked about queer radicalism we were understanding that definitions are not fixed identities are not fixed words are not fixed and we were enjoying this very very much or at least I, I, sp- I speak for the abstract we um, I, uh, I can't speak for you abstract though you may be yeah we, we had good crack anyway talking about how things were not, they were not there was not an essential nature so I felt there was a slight contradiction in our drawing core uh, in our last drawing core month so I wanted to go back to that essentialness and think about how what is it that we try and connect with that that beingness I think might be another term we could use but whatever it is like it's very enigmatic and abstruse which is a good word i learned this week trying to trying to find the right word for this is something we can't define very well we can't talk about very well something abstract something not physical or very certain but nonetheless we can intuit that there is something there it's just very Close and deep. So, say Alan Watts. Uh, I found something that he was talking about, um, talking about this similar idea of saying we c- we can give it a name, but we cannot make any definitive statement about it. The only way of apprehending it is by watching the processes and patterns of nature, and by the meditative discipline of allowing our minds to become quiet. So we talked about the water course way, we talked about water as, as an uh, analogy for the simplicity of Taoism. And this way he's saying here, doing that allows us to see that thing that we can't really make any definitive statements about. So we, it's, it's necessary to look to those natural processes in a way. <clears throat> I was wondering about this making our minds quiet. So we talked about um, in the third podcast about being active in inaction. Like still doing something even though we're practicing this inaction. But Taoism goes even further than that to talk about the great nothing which I believe is Tai Zu. And our, our Winnie the Pooh friend Benjamin Half talks about the having an empty mind and how Winnie the Pooh has a a pretty much empty mind but this empty mind allows him to see what's in front of him and often to solve the problem or um, to do something nice for someone else so an empty mind is valuable even though it seems empty and the great nothing is in fact full of everything um, even though it seems lacking in anything This contradiction again, it's a bit like action in inaction But I actually want to go a little bit sort of further and think about hardcore yin like We don't want to be active even in our inaction. We want to be inactive in our inaction we do so much fucking action and activity being all we're going about the place being all yang getting our yang all over the gaff right, being busy being productive, there's a fucking part of this podcast I wanted to look at post work anarchism but I didn't have any time, but one thing that I did pick up about it, someone was saying we, we sometimes reply to the question how are you with busy as if busy is a kind of emotional state that we now value as much as saying that we feel happy or sad or whatever. And bu- busyness is a very prominent part of my life and many other people's lives that I know. So I want to push into this really unbusy place. I want to really go to that Taizu, that great nothing, and not worry like I did in the third podcast about being active. I want to kind of promote for myself and encourage in others some real inaction. How do we do that? Like, I thought about my methods. Like, meditation is the obvious one, I think. I mean, in that uh, Alan Watts quote, he, he mentions meditation. But meditation is, well, fucking hard. Just to have... The motivation And put aside the time to do it Most people I know Say that they find it difficult to meditate Most people I talk about meditation with Would say that And, And I find it hard as well But often people say Yeah but you can meditate When you're doing something else You know like in other times and places you can meditate And I know that I can like I can meditate when I'm gardening. If I'm in in the right space, if it's like a kind of calm and beautiful day and I'm not in a rush and I'm just kind of checking what's crack and trying to do it, I can feel like I've had a good 20 minutes, half an hour meditative gardening space. And I think part of the reason, I garden very slowly because I'm not a very... um, adept gardener i don't know that much about gardening so i do very slowly and i've found in this last week that doing things slowly has been so beneficial also to that also to my action like i find i actually achieve accomplish a lot more by trying to do things slowly because i think trying to do things quickly often means we rush things or we hurry things we actually create more problems for ourselves or maybe we're just too panicked about getting so much done that we will never feel satisfied with however much we do get done whereas if you're slow you'll feel satisfied with however much you get done because you know already you're just doing it slowly and you treat every move that you make with a certain importance so that if you don't actually move very far you've, you've still moved a significant way and you appreciate it this is similar to what we talked about in terms of simplicity in Taoism, about acting lightly, there was this quote of, um, you should govern a country like you would fry a small fish lightly, kind of hands off, basically, like not trying to control anything. What other uh, yes? Yeah, so, so other other ways of finding this meditative space. I thought about books, um, because sometimes I go to video games, but video games are inherently goal orientated, so they are they are about produ- production and maybe even completionism, and so they they have their own like deliberately designed mechanisms of almost stress production because you should you know, collect all those things or you should be defeat this enemy or you should solve this puzzle or you should and you feel a need to do it and video games work because they encourage you to keep going back to that by building in satisfying gameplay loops where when you achieve something it feels good but not um, So you you want to do it again, but it doesn't complete the action. So you kind of have to do it again in order to keep the ball rolling, whether that be a story or whether that be development of character or new things you can do in the game, like new abilities you open up. And fucking, for me, like I remember this a lot with films and television. I would often feel my mind working in a productive way when I'm watching something because I'm trying to create my own film or television script and so when I'm watching something I'm learning from it and my, that part of my brain is actively involved so I don't actually feel that relaxed and as, uh, as our friend Prince Howe said if all the year were playing holidays to sport would be as tedious as to work so the idea is like if I, I, I being creative and like wanting to have production, my productive the productive part of my life, wanting to place that in creativity, I think is a very I feel very lucky that I've had the chance and the ability to do that in some ways, because I, I find it very enjoyable and I think it's very valuable and fun, yeah. And the, so, I I can feel like I'm working, but I'm also enjoying. But then, if you if you make that your whole year of playing holidays, then you never feel the satisfaction of a good rest. So, I'll I'll come back to that. But there's something else I wanted to talk about. I listened to elif shafak talking this week she is an author um who writes some banging books as much as i've read so check her out she 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 talked really well she how she talked was really fucking on point really good uh she she was interviewed for something like she picked 12 no 12 10 top 10 british women writers or something for um london book festival and she was interviewed about that and what she talked about was really really cool and I encourage you to seek that out if you want to find it if you want a good hour of chat Um, she talked about how we have a need to slow down our lives these days and especially with technology she mentioned um, they tend to push us to be very very fast and we need to slow down so similar to what I'm talking about and uh, for her she was saying that storytelling especially books and especially novels they allow us to empathize and so they restore the concept of the individual in our heads they allow us to empathize with other individuals often across you um, know, uh, cultural differences or uh, experiential differences whatever like whoever that other person is and even if they are so different from us um we can empathize with them and at the same time the react of reading is very introverted like you have to go into yourself so it makes it distinct from television and films and also video games where you're still engaged you don't have so much control over your, en- your, your engagement with the story and i was interested in this um <clears throat> turning inward like uh, as that being something uh, that's Jasper by the way uh, rubbing against my notebook, are you just checking that um, I'm covering everything because I'm definitely not the notebook is being very lightly used for this episode, that tends to be the way in fact, the the podcasts which I enjoy more are the ones which I've departed from the notes more generally, or at least departed from the first set of notes I had and taken on their own form in a in a very hands-off light way. Again we're going back to the same idea. But when it, this idea of meditation being turning being a turning inward, I thought about sort of trance states. I thought specifically about drumming, dancing and masturbation. And of all of all three, masturbation is the most inward-turning, right? Because you are just with yourself, and you are creating this feeling of this sort of it, it, the ecstatic feeling is a is quite um, is a very sort of extreme one. Like it pushes very very much in one direction. And when you feel that orgasm, you are feeling it through your mind and your body, and you are just with yourself like maybe maybe this is masturbation without um watching pornography this is masturbation with you and your mind and your body um i thought that this is this is like a quite an intense trance state where you're turning inward and it can be very meditative as can dancing as can drumming but they're also quite high energy things and in considering another sort of trance-like state, which was not, Yani you know, high energy, um, I actually found Waiting for Godot. So, in Waiting for Godot, these two characters, Estragon, 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 and Vladimir, are... As the title suggests, Waiting for Godot. And they never, Godot never comes. That's, I'm sorry to spoil it, but that's kind of the whole thing of the play. The play itself is a kind of limbo. It's, it's a waiting play. And not only is it a waiting play, but the two characters, they are kind of clueless. They don't really know why they're waiting for Godot. They don't seem to know very much who Godot is. They don't know when he will come. They don't really know what's going on. Their way of talking is very reminiscent of this straightforward simplicity of Winnie the Pooh or of the ruler of the universe in The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. We, we, we looked at both those, uh, both those simple logics, straightforward logics in the second episode. Istragon and Vladimir have I think the same simplicity to them but what's really nice, what really connects this play to what I'm exploring today is how it really is nothing like um, the first line of the play is nothing to be done which is both a kind of resigned oh we can't do anything about any of this and also a statement of there is nothing here, like you are going to sit down now and watch a one and a half hour, two hour play where nothing will happen. They say later, nothing happens, nobody comes, nobody goes, it's awful. And it's such a funny play because it's very aware of its own nothingness and yet by being funny it creates its own value and its own enjoyment. But it's it's really a limbo and What's interesting is that uh, if we're looking for a kind of hardcore yin element of like total inaction, let's say that the ultimate yin, the hardcore, the most hardcorest yin, the yinest yin, would be death. Right? I mean, this is kind of what I'm thinking. I, my 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 reading uh, in a way because if you look at the yin yang cycle over a lifetime you rise with this yang energy and you reach this sort of peak in your life where you have the most energy and then you slow down and then eventually you decline and you die and that's when you that's your, that's your yin most yin, your death and it's a state of total stillness and waiting for Godot being a kind of limbo they also both the characters skirt around the idea of killing themselves and they kind of don't see the point as if it's kind of well it's already we're already nothing we're already as much nothing as we can be is there any point in really making this effort to kill ourselves so i think this is a very yin play i think it's funny because of this um, and I, I don't really know how to conclude this this podcast about uh, reaching this great nothing. But what, what I found this week in, ter- in in trying to reach that point myself is this, this sense of being able to do it when it was a relief. And this is why I... I, I I gave you this Shakespeare quote to begin because I was only, I was able to relax and and be inactive the most as a, as a as a uh, pathos is this the right way of using this word as a pathos as a kind of falling down from a higher point of activity so I went dancing on Saturday and I did manage to sort of free my mind a bit there and dance crazily. It was really good. And then at 6am I, the, the, I left the dance and I cycled um, back like 20 miles. I cycled at 6 in the morning. I was fucking tired afterwards. But then on Sunday, with that lack of energy, I was able to watch... Uh, a film called Venom, which just came out last year, superhero movie. It, it's 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 bad. Like it's a bad film, and I knew it would be a bad film, and I'm pretty sure I haven't heard anyone or read anyone say anything good about it. And I, I don't know. I, I I had it on my computer because I'd seen it, a picture of it in the in a shop the other day, and I was like, oh yeah, there's that film. And the actor who plays the lead role I quite liked from other things. And the character of Venom, the superhero character of Venom, has got a very cool aesthetic that I always noticed from, from when I was younger that I was interested in. So I was like, well, fuck it, give it a go. And in that lack of energy state, I could turn my brain off and watch this thing not judging it for being good or bad, knowing it was bad, but not caring. And just having a, like a good hour, hour and a half, where I was not even meditating, just doing so much nothing, like very, very much nothing. And as Prince Howe says, you know, (laughs) here I'm looking at it, hoping to, hoping one particular line is gonna jump out at me. Um, like (laughs) redeeming time when men think least I will Uh, you know I can take that I can take that time of inaction when I I least expect it like because I had all this energy all this crazy yang-ish time even if there was some meditative practice inside it cycling and dancing it was only after I pushed that much that I really was, poof, unable to do anything other than nothing. So that that's that's number six drawing core podcast. Um, it's very very meandering today, but it's, you know nothing to be done. <laughs> Um, I'll leave you with a song This song is I, I really wanted to move from Hardcore techno that was expressing emotion In, way, in a way that people who are uh, not really into hardcore techno might, might assume that That music doesn't have so much emotional depth I tried to introduce a couple of songs over the last two weeks That had more emotional depth and now I want to introduce a song that has a political element to it. This is a song by someone called, it's a duo called Dirty Chronic. The song is called Brexit Wankers, brackets, intrinsic hypocrisy, close brackets. And um, you'll, you'll realise in this song it's, it's all samples based. And next week we're going to talk about this sample music so um, enjoy this this is very explicitly political song because it's 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 about brexit which is um, if you probably anyone who's listening to this will know it's uh, Britain leaving the EU which has been a big political f- f- fuck up for the last couple of years and it expresses pretty pretty well how lots of people feel about it but in a quite radical way and it's radical because it's hardcore techno you know it's aggressive it's really like fuck you to this situation and lots of people might be thinking that same way but I think hardcore techno is a very good way of expressing that fuck you this is punk techno music Please enjoy Brexit Wankers by Dirty Chronic. Thank you so much for joining the drawing this week. Um, I love you so much and take care of yourselves, take care of other people and have a good week. Opiorum sizi. Guzel bak kandine. Hadi bye bye. A summary of what Brexit means. Oh, piece of piss, Him. Perhaps I could do it in the style of a traditional Australian song for them. Down by the billabong, the Brexit kangaroo. You. Darling, you got to let me... Fucking waste of our time. So you gotta let me know. We're gonna make a lot more money and we're doing a lot better. Don't fucking lie. Brexit fucking vote. No one's got a fucking clue what Brexit is. I just find it absolutely bizarre. Brexit. There is an intrinsic hypocrisy. Question, time. It's comedy. They're full of gloom and pessimism. Fucking waste of our time! Tell the fucking truth. It's always cuts, cuts, You're happy when I'm on mine They've been treating us like nothing fine and next is black is it because i have luck so if you want me off your so they got a serious problem well come on and let me know i'm a europe skeptic i do i do not stay or should i strong and stable strong and stable strong and stable what the fuck are you cunts Who knows about witches? Fucking witches. Wouldn't it be better though to stay in the EU? Witches. Fucking witches. They're terrified they'll beat us up. Britain will be worse off economically after Brexit. I fucking hate liars. And what's happened? Nothing at all. Okay, it. bye. But what I like best is just doing nothing. How do you do just nothing? Well, it's when grown-ups ask, what are you going to do? And you say nothing. And then you go out and do it. I like that. Let's do it all the time.